This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. Like when you go into a regular season, you can't win the Stanley Cup in the regular season. Your goal in the regular season is to get to the playoffs, and then you take the next step from there. You don't take it for granted by any means. Experience the feeling we did last year. You need to get in, and we're not quite in yet. We're inching our way closer, and but most definitely, that was the plan: is is, is to get in. So hopefully, we can get in here soon. The plan. Yes, John Cooper, the plan is to get in. Now, ideally, you want to be playing well heading into the playoffs, but you got to get there first, and whether you stumble your way in or whether you go in on a nice winning streak, you got to get in, Dave, as they say, to win the whole thing, and the Lightning have a good opportunity to do that tonight. Carolina clinched. They are the first team to claim that in the Central Division. Uh, even though they came away with a, an overtime loss last night. And, you know, we're going to start seeing some X's, Dave, I think, next to the Panthers and the Lightning coming up here in the next couple of days. And I think that'll be fun. You know, the first kind of official thing the Lightning have to get through once we know who they're playing. But uh, as John Cooper said, you know, the the playoffs, and I think more so with this team than maybe in years past or maybe some other team, it it is about getting in and, and how well they're playing compared to where they finish. Because sometimes that typically goes hand-in-hand. If the Lightning are playing really well and finish the regular season on a high note, you know, there's a good chance they're probably finishing in first or second place or certainly in the top three, and I think that's what we're probably going to see again this year. I read a very interesting column from a longtime writer in Raleigh, Luke DeCock, who writes for the local paper there. He's been he used to cover the the Hurricanes. I think he may have been on the beat when I first got to the Lightning way back when in, in 2002. He's been a columnist for a while. He came out with a story now that the Hurricanes had clinched. And it's always interesting to look at the perspective from other markets. Now, this is the columnist perspective. This is not Rod Brindamore's perspective or Jordan Stahl's perspective or anybody who – is actually in the organization for Carolina. But Luke's column basically stated that it's great that they made the playoffs for the third straight year, and they shouldn't overlook that as an organization because they were kind of lost in the desert there for quite a while. Prior to making the playoffs in the 1819 season, when they upset Washington in the first round, they had not been to the playoffs since 09. That's a long time to, to go time. in between playoff appearances. But now it's three in a row under Brindamore. And so he said, acknowledge it. Let's remember the long stretch where they weren't making the playoffs. We shouldn't give this any kind of short shrift. Great. But really now it's time to kind of put up or shut up. It is kind of his point. Like just making the playoffs and going out in the first round, which – they didn't in that year. They beat the Capitals, and then they also beat the Islanders in the second round. They lost to the Bruins in the conference final. But last year, they went out in what was technically the first round of the Bruins. They w- did win their play-in series against the Rangers. Luke's point is, this is the year where Carolina needs to make a significant run based on what has been happening in the past, and he tied this into the importance of finishing first. So his feeling was that Carolina, and Carolina has the inside track to finishing first because the Hurricanes are currently in first, 
And if they win all their remaining games, they will finish in first. So they do control their own destiny. And again, I don't know if this is a sentiment that's shared by Rod Brindamore or anybody within the Hurricanes organization, but to Luke, in, in his opinion as a columnist, it was very important to avoid the 2-3 matchup because he is speculating that the 2-3 matchup is going to be significantly more taxing than the 1-4 matchup and that the Hurricanes would do themselves a huge favor by avoiding that and then and then having to face the winner, presuming they can get through their first-round series, face the winner of the 2-3 matchup. And I, I thought it was interesting because this ties into an ongoing conversation that you and I have had, which is it would be nice to finish first for the Lightning, but much less emphasis than what Luke put on his column from our perspective much less emphasis on finishing first for the Lightning. It's more about playing playing to their standard. And I just thought it was really interesting that that was kind of the sentiment coming out of the Carolina paper today that acknowledged that the playoffs have been made. The Hurricanes did clinch last night, like you said. But this season needs to be more than just making the playoffs. And a key part of doing that would be to finish first. I'm not sure I agree with that. I mean, maybe for Carolina it's true, but I'm not sure if I agree with that for the Lightning. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I it's it's interesting. And look, I, I appreciate the different perspectives and the different angles. I think it's it's a it's a good take. It is. When I look at Carolina, for me, I think the biggest step they need to take this year is probably beating the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, whether you think home ice helps in doing that, I don't know. Here's how I always looked at home ice, especially with a team like the Lightning and why I don't think it means as much. So if the Lightning finish in third or if the Lightning finish in fourth, which they won't, but let's say if they did finish in third, you know, they're starting on the road. And it takes one game, Dave, to make home ice advantage kind of a irrelevant yeah. points. And the Lightning, I, I, that's, that's almost how you have to look at things. And with... Arenas not being sold out, most likely in the playoffs. I know there there can be that little bit of a, a tangible effect on outcomes. Although, again, I, I don't think that's as big a deal, Dave, for most teams this year, or really over the last few, because I do think parity is, is such that I, I don't know. I mean, some teams feel pretty comfortable going on the road. To start a play yeah, and how different you know? is it? How different is it going to be this year with partially filled buildings? Right. Yeah, I mean, if, if you believe a- that the crowd is is the is the advantage that you get sure. from having home ice advantage. Now, the crowd that's there will be cheering for you, but it's going to be a fraction of what the typical playoff attendance would be, and pro- presumably a fraction of the decibel level. Do you too. think? No, I'm I'm asking you obviously to speak for some coaches here, which is dangerous. I'm curious how you look at this. Do you think home ice advantage? is more about the matchups than it is the actual sold out crowd cheering you I on. think it's I think it's both so John Cooper's talked about this in past years he likes having home ice advantage for game 7 Frankly when you have home ice advantage you have a little pressure right off the right the bat cuz you just talked about it you know you lose game 1 and the narrative all of a sudden is, boy, they better win game two. You know, it's a seven-game series, mm-hmm. but all of a sudden the pressure is on because you've surrendered 
home ice advantage in the first game, as opposed to being the road team, you know, like there's this old adage that you're never really in trouble in a series until you lose a home game, which if you only get three at home, <laughs> that I guess that's true, but you do have to win right. at least one on the road Correct. if you are if you are the lower-seeded team. So Koop has talked about how he likes home ice more for the game seven than starting the series at home, but I think all coaches would prefer to have the match as opposed to the other team having the match, the other the other coach having the match. It's interesting that Coop said that, though, because at least in this time with the Lightning, Game 7 at home has not always equated Hasn't to success for that team. Yeah. I mean, the Lightning beat the Rangers in the 2015 Conference Final at Madison Square Garden. And in 2018, the Lightning lost Game 7 at home to Washington. So it's not a... It's not an automatic, but I think if, if you gave Coop the choice, he would say, I'd rather have game seven at home. And the Lightning did lose to Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh that year in 2016 in, in that Yeah, both times game. up 3-2, which is, you know, one yeah. of those things that we've we've talked about at nauseum. But it is interesting. I think for Carolina, for me, it's because I think we both think highly of them. I, yes. I, I think it's it's and I think about... Luke is saying like they they are a different team today sure. than they were when they faced the Capitals back in the 2019 playoffs. Ajo has progressed. You know, Hamilton is is an elite defenseman. He really likes the way Jordan Stahl is playing. They love Trocek. You know, he was not there for their first playoff run. He was there for the, for the run in the bubble because they had made that deal. I just – they feel that their team is on the cusp, and, and we basically kind of heard that from Alec Campbell at the start of the year. He said, I don't know how it's going to play out, but the ceiling, the ceiling would be the Stanley Cup for this team. They may not get there, but they have they have the pieces in place and they can certainly play well play well enough to to get there and win a Stanley Cup. I don't think anybody would argue that. I mean, they are one of the top teams in the league. Here's where I, I differ the most, though, from from Luke's premise. And that is that, especially now because it looks like the road is going to be pretty tough for Chicago to get in as the fourth seed. Agreed. I mean, I think oh, that yeah, for sure. No doubt. They, they are mathematically alive, but they are going to need to walk the tightrope here and if not run the table, come pretty close and they're going to need some significant help. They have no games left against Nashville. They have two left against the stars at the end of the year. But if it's Nashville or Dallas and Carolina gets Luke's wish and finishes first, so the Hurricanes have benefited from a couple of, of postseason appearances. But the team that they're taking is not an easy out. Now, I'm not suggesting that the team that finishes first can't beat Nashville or Dallas, whichever team gets in there. Not at all. Of course, they can they can beat those teams. But to suggest that the 1-4 matchup, if 4 is Nashville or 4 is Dallas, is in some way an easier matchup, less of a grind. I think he referred to the 2-3 matchup as a slog. I don't know, Greg. I mean, you're talking about two teams. Nashville has a lot of playoff experience. Mm -hmm. Frankly, most of those players, at least the ones that have been in the NHL for a while, have had more extensive NHL playoff experience than even the guys who've been on Carolina for these last couple of years. And they are coming off pretty significant playoff disappointment the last couple of years 
and they're playing very, very well right now. They're playing their best hockey in the second half of the year. That's how they got into fourth. And if it's Dallas, we know what Dallas did in the playoffs last year. It's not to say that they're going to do it again, but they know what it takes to have postseason success. So as I often say, as you know, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what is going to happen. What I'm confident saying, though, is that there's no easy playoff matchup. If a playoff matchup ends up being lopsided, fine, but we can't predict that going in. You never know how a playoff matchup is going to unfold. Case in point, 2019, Tampa Bay Lightning, Columbus Blue Jackets. What happened there, Dave? <laughs> I think we remember <laughs> what happened we there. Remember. We do remember. So there is pressure, I think, if you finish first. We we touched on that a little bit with the Lightning. You know, if if they don't finish first, you know, maybe there's a – you would talk with Brian, you would take in a fan question, you know, are they under the radar? And Brian was like, no, absolutely not. Fair enough. They may not be under the radar. But if you do finish first, you're going to go into the playoffs with this expectation that, well, you avoided that really tough first-round series. The series you're getting is going to be much easier, which if the players actually believe that, that's a recipe for trouble, in my opinion. And so I think that's that's kind of where I differ yeah. with, with Luke's premise. Not that not that Carolina shouldn't have an expectation of going far. I think that that's, that's fair, and they've earned that, and they are an excellent team. Where I differ with his premise is that getting Nashville or Dallas in the first round is in some way going to be some fast pass to the second round. I don't think it's going to be. Well, no, and I, I agree with you because whoever gets in when it comes to that fourth seed, you would think they were playing pretty well to get there because there's not a ton of margin of error for those teams Yeah. Uh, towards the end. And, you know, also, too, let's give credit where credit's due. I thought there was a huge gap, and maybe I still feel that way, between Tampa Bay's goaltender and the rest of the division's starting goaltender. But let's face it. I think Carolina is starting to at least feel pretty good about who they have there. And it may be two guys, not just one. And maybe they'll have to settle on one guy, Dave, instead of going with two. But they've got a couple of guys, at least in the regular season, Nadalkovic and Morazic, who have played well. Morazic, not as much time because of injury. But you look at the numbers statistically, they're playing well. Saros has played well for the Preds. It's kind of given them an opportunity to be in every game. And... You know, Dallas, with their goaltending tandem, they don't have Ben Bishop, but I think they've gotten some pretty decent goaltending throughout the year. So where I thought there was a, a weak spot, really, uh, that, that stood out for me when it came to the division outside of Vassie, appears to have maybe righted itself a bit for some of these teams that are trying to get into a playoff spot. And as you said, Dave, a goaltender can always get hot in the playoffs. And if those teams, whether it's Nashville, whether it's Dallas, and to a lesser extent, Carolina, because if their goal is to eventually win a Stanley Cup, which it should be, they're going to have to get some serious goaltending. And at least so far, up to this point, their goaltenders have performed very well, maybe better than I anticipated. And that's a good thing for those teams, for sure. We've got Nick Alberga coming up. He's part of the Maple Leafs radio network. And we're going to talk to him about the other divisions going on around the league. Also, too, we'll get his thoughts on the Tampa Bay Lightning. What does he make of the Central Division? The NHL signs a new deal with Turner Sports. We'll talk about that maybe a little later on as well. More money coming in for the NHL. More exposure. HBO 
part of that deal as well. We can get into that. And speaking of the Blackhawks, Andrew Shaw has to retire. We'll look back maybe at, at his career and what he meant to that team a little later on as well. Lighting and Blackhawks tonight at 8 o'clock. Pre-games at 7.30. Brian Burns and Kaylee Chelios at 7. We've got Nick Alberg coming up next on Lighting Power Play. The perfect social distancing distraction for your lunch hour. This is Power Lunch, only on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. All right, we're getting set for the game tonight. Lightning and Blackhawks, 8 o'clock start. Pre-game at 7.30. I am Greg Lanelli, along with Dave Mishkin. We've got Steve Ersnick producing and joining us right now. He's the Maple Leafs radio host. He also does some fantasy hockey and uh, gets it done at Sportsnet as well. He's a good friend of ours, and I think he wakes up every day thinking, how can I rile up the Islander <laughs> fans and their fan base? Because, boy, it's been fun watching that on Twitter unfold, and that would be, of course, Nick Alberger. Nick, welcome to the program again, buddy. We appreciate it. How are the Islanders fans right now, and have you taken any <laughs> shots at them recently? Well, boys, I am fantastic, and I've pretty much uh, branched out to every market in this league now. And the latest <laughs> fan base who is upset with me are actually, and this is a good spin with Tampa Bay Lightning, is 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 uh, Florida Panthers fans because I put out there Tyler Toffoli, um, you know, could have the best contract in hockey right now, and people said Carter Verhage would like a word. So that's where we're at uh, in the trolling conversation. Ugh. Man, that is what it is in Twitter, and you know how to play that game very well. Let me ask you this. Before Dave jumps in, you, you do a lot of fantasy for sure, so you're you're dialed into some guys who've maybe surprised us this year around the NHL. You mentioned Toffoli and, and what he's done. Verhage has had a tremendous year before getting hurt. What, Who else, I think, kind of stands out from that standpoint who's maybe exceeded some expectations? Yeah, certainly. I, I mean, those two guys that come to mind right away, I think a guy like, uh, you know, Chandler Stevenson, uh, considering what Vegas gave up to get him from the Washington Capitals has been unbelievable in the middle with Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty. Um, you know, I think certainly those two guys you mentioned, especially Carter Verhage, not coming out of nowhere, because I think you guys got a really pretty decent dose of what he was all about there. I think Andre Palat with your lightning is another great example of a guy who's had a huge bounce back season. Adam Fox. I mean, there's a plethora of players, and that's what makes fantasy hockey fun, guys, because you think you have it calculated and figured out who's going to have a good season, but there's always regression candidates. There's guys who break out of nowhere. So it's been fun to document. And I'll say, like this year, unlike any other, it's just been so difficult uh, to try to tread these waters because everything is happening right now. Nick, we haven't heard anything official yet from the league, but what is your best guess? about when the playoffs would start would it be a the league waits for every division to finish every regular season game which would mean the playoffs are all starting at the same time but some teams would have a much longer break b if your division is finished with its regular season you can just start regardless of what's happening in the other divisions or c somewhere in between where they try and massage it so that the, the series that are ready to start would start closer to some of these divisions that are that are still having regular season games to wrap up. Yeah, Mish, like I would say probably somewhere in the middle because I think we're, we're losing sight of, of the reality that this is a COVID world. So while they'll never say it, they want to end this season as quickly as possible to get back on track for next year. Number one, expansion. Number two, you want to get back to an 82-game 82, 82 slate and it's to the best of our understanding, October 12th or 13th 
is still the target start date for next season. So certainly somewhere in the middle. I, I think the key here is not having these teams off for a long period of time, even covering the Toronto Maple Leafs. I noticed I think their season's done May 13th and uh, the playoffs in Canada might not start. Well, it won't start probably till after May 20th. Uh, so it's just uh, another wrench to throw into this season. But I think you bring up a really good, fascinating question because that's what I'm thinking about too is like, do you start them all in the same time or do you go somewhere in between? I think you have to go somewhere in between because when push comes to shove, you got to find a way to finish this season uh, with a decent amount of time for the draft, for expansion, and for everything to take place this summer. Quick follow-up to that, uh, if I could, Greg. So the North Division is interesting. The schedule is getting extended by maybe four or five days because of a three-game series between Vancouver and Calgary. If both of those teams have been mathematically eliminated, is there any chance that they would just have those three games be played, but the other four teams, Toronto, Edmonton, Winnipeg, and Montreal, would actually start their playoff series? You know, that's a really good point too, right? Because I think ultimately, and at least in my opinion, that series is not going to you know, be for anything, right? So you even wonder if they just throw it out the window and say, you know what, that's that's cool. You guys pack it in for the season, right? Because I think that the bigger part is about the Stanley Cup playoffs and the revenue that comes with that. Although you could argue, I mean, there's still revenue in having two Canadian teams play three games in the regular season. People will watch, especially in those fan bases. So I would I would hope there's some clarification over the next uh, couple days or, or or the next week or so, guys, when it when it comes to that, because I think you pose a, a fair question. Certainly, as things head in that direction in the North Division, I think it's becoming clearer by the day, especially with Montreal's victory uh, yesterday against the Calgary Flames. Nick Alberga joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Nick, when you talk about where those Canadian teams will play once the playoffs begin. What's your hunch tell you? Where do you think they go? So in terms of the conference final? Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, again, uh, things are, are much different. Um, I should preface by saying uh, in the States, especially in Tampa, um, at, at this this pace, uh, it's very, 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 very unlikely, I think probably impossible that there's going to be a crowd to begin with. Um, number two, the borders are still closed. They've been closed for like a year now. It's It's pretty surreal and crazy, but... I think we're trending towards a direction where there's going to be sort of a modified bubble in the final four. Uh, nowhere close, I would say, in this country, uh, nor have they they changed any, anything for everybody. I mean, just put it in perspective, the Toronto Raptors still play in Tampa. The Blue Jays are still playing in Florida. So I don't expect the government to change anything anytime, you know, quickly um, or sooner at that. So I think what's likely to happen is they'll have a modified bubble in the final four and don't quote me on it, just surely speculation um, and make sure that those four teams are not in their own market. That That's the only thing that makes sense because I, I just think it's so, it would be so nuts if a Canadian team came in, didn't have their home building and the rest did, right? Maybe this is an unfair question for you, Nick, and I don't want to to have you get into trouble for, for commenting <laughs> on the, the issues beyond what's happening on the ice. But I'm just wondering, like, are the issues in Canada related more to vaccine rollout problems or the government, which has, which has been very cautious in its approach from the get-go? Like, is it more that, that they're, they're just making sure every T is crossed and I is dotted? Or if the vaccine rollout had been... I guess more widespread would have some of these restrictions been eased. 
Yeah, that's likely it. Um, I, I think people by the day are becoming increasingly optimistic because uh, there's just been a lack of vaccines. And now the rush is on, as you saw in the States the previous couple months, to vaccinate people. I think last time I checked, you guys are about 50% vaccinated. We're hovering around 25%. And I think that's clearly the key is, you know, we move forward. And certainly that's big, too, when you look at the seven Canadian teams getting those players vaccinated. Maybe things change. So, Never say never. I, I think when push comes to shove, you want to put the teams in the best spot to generate the most revenue and I think have a safe environment too. So who knows what the case will be maybe two months from now. But I think to answer your question, it's more so about the vaccine rollout um, th than anything, because I just think they ordered or they didn't order uh, the vaccines uh, you know, in, in enough time to get them here. And clearly there's been a massive shortage. Uh, so now it's just about getting people poked. Nick Alberga joining us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Let's move to the Central Division. Tampa Bay going to clinch a playoff spot here shortly. Has anything surprised you when it comes to that division and how competitive it's been, particularly with Tampa Bay, Florida, and Carolina? And does it make a difference more so for one team, Nick, than the others to have home ice advantage to start? So to answer your first question, I think Nashville for sure has stunned me. I, I thought they were finished. I think we spent two and a half months of this crazy season talking about Nashville was going to be the big time seller at the deadline. And then they actually added, I think they added, you know, like a guy like Eric Goodbranson. It's just cr crazy role reversal, but that's what you're going to get in a four point game all the time in strictly divisional play. So they've shocked me. But as you guys saw, probably on social, I put out the number that their, their numbers against Carolina, Florida, and Tampa, respectively, are not good. Um, I, I think the other thing to watch for in this division, clearly, is the Dallas Stars, who are, are getting things done uh, quietly. Uh, they beat the Carolina Hurricanes. Jamie Benn's been outstanding the last couple games, scores back-to-back -back, uh, game winners for the Dallas Stars. And I think when push comes to shove, they'll find a way to grind their way into the Stanley Cup playoffs. As we speak right now, have a couple games in hand on Nashville. I think Chicago is rather green. I think they're going to fade. So I think it's down to those five teams. Clearly, we know the first three that are going to be in. As for matchups, you know, that, that's the one thing I've been pondering. And maybe it's a different story here in Canada, right, with, with no crowd. I don't think home ice matters that much. Uh, I don't think you'll ever hear Tampa say that. But I think they're quite confident, whether it be on the road or at home. Yeah, you would love that game seven in your own surroundings. Wake up in your own bed. But I really don't think it's the, the end of the world that they don't. We spent some time at the top of the show, Nick, talking about this this question of how how much of an advantage would it be for either Carolina, Florida, or Tampa Bay to finish first and avoid seeing one of the other two teams in the first round and getting either Nashville or Dallas. And Greg and I have been pretty consistent that our feeling kind of is that the Lightning play to their standard. I don't think they really care where they finish. But I guess my question to you is how tough of a series do you think it will be for the top seed drawing either Nashville or Dallas? And do you see a difference whether it is Nashville or Dallas? I think Dallas is the team I'd be more worried about. And maybe I'm not giving enough love to Nashville. But as I mentioned, uh, you know, they beat up on Columbus, Detroit, Chicago, those teams and haven't fared very well against the top. I think the, the pedigree is there with Dallas, who has sort of been a sleeping giant all season long. Granted, no Ben Bishop, as you guys know. Alex Radulov had an amazing start. He's done for the season. They will get Tyler Sagan, I believe, back this week. Uh, you know, Jason Robertson's having an unbelievable rookie season. I think Dallas just plays with structure. 
And that would scare the hell out of me if I'm an opponent, um, right? Because I think you look at playoff time and you look at what the Calgary Flames, specifically the way they've played the last little while, playing like the 2012 LA Kings all over again with Daryl Sutter. It's just a scary thing to deal with in the playoffs because you know one bounce and you can be finito. We saw this a couple of years ago with Columbus, the way they steamrolled the Tampa Bay Lightning. When you get entrenched in that system and you play it to a T, it's very, very scary, and it doesn't matter who you play. Uh, you know, that's why I worry to a degree, like a team like Colorado, too, if you run into a St. Louis Blues team that's hot, I think you have to give the respect. So to answer your question, I think Dallas is a team that would worry me more so than a Nashville Predators. But you look at Nashville, they also have a defensive-minded coach in, in John Hines. So, um, you know, you better be ready to play. We'll say that about this division. Nick, we don't know until he plays what he's going to look like and how big of an impact he will make, but we all agree that having Nikita Kucherov on the ice as a threat is going to open some things up for a lot of players, and specifically if he's playing with Braden Point, a, a guy like him who is really picking things up over the last couple of weeks. Do you think people are maybe in some ways downplaying his return in terms of what impact he will make? And realistically, what would you expect? from a guy like Kucherov when he does return? Well, 1,000%, they're downplaying it. I called it the biggest trade deadline pickup. You get Nikita Kucherov back, who, in my opinion, is a top 10 player in this league. I don't care if he's 75% or, you know, 40%. It's still Nikita Kucherov. And just that, you know, the, the thought in the in the head of the opponent is enough for me. Um, I think you look at playoff Nikita Kucherov, if you know what I'm saying, is, is a whole different animal, right? The guy always comes to play in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And, I just think the dynamic of adding a player like that just spreads the roster out. I mean, you know, the hope's there that Steven Stamkos, the captain's going to be there as well. I, and then you, you start to see guys like, you know, Ross Colton's having a great year, but he's probably phased out of the lineup. Matthew Joseph's another guy, if you add those two guys. Bade Boulay's going to be in that conversation, but they have the depth. And I think it just makes them even more scarier, Tampa, going forward, if you just add weapon after weapon, and especially those two among others, in this league, I just I just think from a depth standpoint, it's going to be tough to match for any opponent. And that's what worried me the most about getting him back. It's not so much uh, what kind of Kucherov you're going to get, more so the threat of Kucherov, I think, is going to you know be nightmares for opponents. Last one from me, Nick, and this is about the North Division, which you cover and, and, and see every day. So that seems to be the division that is the most wide open based on the success the teams at the top have had offensively. I guess I'm wondering if it is the four teams that that are right now on track to make the playoffs, Toronto, Edmonton, Winnipeg, and Montreal, which team do you think is the best defensive in terms of beyond the goaltending, I know you got Price and, and Hellebuck and, and the goalie can make a huge difference. But in terms of the structure with which these teams play, which of those four is the best? And would that be enough to neutralize whatever their opponent might be able to throw at them offensively? I would say Winnipeg, but again, the caveat of Nikolai Ehlers, right? And some of the injuries, and I don't think they added enough at the deadline to add some depth in the back end. Like, you know, for starters, they have Connor Hellebuck won the Vesna Trophy last season. I still think there's some question marks with that D, but when they're locked in, they're a tough team to beat. And then you add in that top six now with Pierre-Luc Dubois in the fold, they can go up against any top six for my money in the league. So there would be a caveat to that answer uh, with Winnipeg. I, I think, honestly, people are still sleeping on the Maple Leafs. I think they're much better defensively. 
coming off a victory against Winnipeg on Saturday night where I thought they were as locked in as I've seen them in a couple years. Uh, they played really, really well in that game. But that, guys, that's the beauty of this season. Like, I would have loved a one-off, you know, Tampa against Toronto, Colorado against Tampa, just to see where these teams stack up against each other. Because, Mish, I think you pose a great question. It's one thing to dominate. It's one thing to dominate as well in a, in, in a Canadian division where maybe it's a bit more watered down than others, but it's another thing to dominate when when all the chips are in the middle and you're playing some of the better teams in this league. So from a defensive standpoint, I, I think there's major league wonders throughout this division, whether it be Toronto because they haven't done it in the big spotlight uh, recently. Edmonton's got two players that are superstars and then the rest you sort of wonder about the goaltending as well. Winnipeg's banged up and, and Montreal's in a tailspin. And I think you throw in Calgary, I think there's your answer right there, but I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. It's a good point. I have uh, two questions. Well, maybe three, because I, sure. I like Nick uh, as much as possible. And I, I just you know <laughs> want him to give it to the Islanders fans as much as he can. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but the Mass Mutual East, if you believe the Lightning are the best team in the league, and maybe that's up for debate. Certainly, I think Vegas and Colorado would have a say in that. But let's say if you feel like those are the top three teams in the NHL. Nick, is it fair to say the Mass Mutual East might be the best division? And what do you make of the Pittsburgh Penguins? Because I wasn't a huge fan of their team early on, but you wake up this morning and you find them in first place, and all of a sudden... They've got a pretty deep team, and Evgeny Malkin's not back yet, and Jeff Carter seems like he's been a good fit. Maybe their goaltending is a question mark a bit, but Sidney Crosby's playing at an MVP level. What do you make of of those uh, couple of observations there? Yeah, I don't think it's honestly even close. Like I've put this out on social, too, as somebody who covers more so the North, although you know I watch more out-of-market hockey than in-market in hockey. Like It has to be the East. I think you look at those – those teams, those six teams specifically, I know New Jersey and Buffalo are done. Philadelphia's have a really, really disappointing season. They just can't get a save. They stink defensively. Uh, the New York Rangers are on the upswing. So when you look at that, every night, it's just an absolute grind. And I think I'm with you. Like at the time of the, the Hextall and Burke hiring, everybody was bearing Pittsburgh saying, hey, they're going to have to trade Latang. They're going to have to trade Malkin. Uh, a mini rebuild or retools in store for this team. And the next thing you know, you move forward a couple months and they're in first, as you mentioned, in this East Division. So I think it's been a tremendous story. I think they've had elevated play on their back end. I think Chris Letang is quietly having a Norris-type season. I don't think he's going to win it because of number 77 in Tampa, but I think he, he deserves an honorable mention. I think Brian Dumoulin's been outstanding this season. Their depth players have really, really come to play. You look at Kasperi Kapanen. Uh, Brian Russ has had a monster, monster second half. You know, not shocking, Sidney Crosby, Jake Gensel. And you hit the nail on the head. Like, even a subtle pickup we thought at the deadline in Jeff Carter, just somebody with pedigree who loves, you know, the, the shoot-first mentality, I think, is big for that team. So I think they're going to be a really, really difficult out. Uh, but as you, you, you brought up, I still wonder about Tristan Jari. Can he lead this team? Uh, but that's got to be one of the bigger shockers of this season for me. I had Pittsburgh hovering around a playoff spot, and certainly they still could be in that conversation because Boston has games in hand. But uh, they're really, really dominating their opponents, and they're winning big games. Like Even the one on Sunday, to win that low scoring and to beat Boston was pretty impressive here. Last question. Are you ready for Charles Barkley to be the face of hockey? <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I love it. Like, you know, I was even wondering too, like I have a, a bit of a wrestling background. I'm a big wrestling fan. I want to see like what NHL or shows up on AEW Dynamite, you know, like the, the wrestling show on TNT. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting. And I, I honestly feel like the NHL deserves a round of applause. Like Gary Bedman for all the flack he takes, I get it. The guy knows how to make money. Like you look at Vegas, Seattle's coming into this league. And he just generated close to a billion bucks on his two recent deals, one with the States and one with Canada. That's pretty damn impressive to me, guys. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, you know, you get that revenue flowing in and a little bit more exposure. I thought it was pretty interesting, the the HBO angle to this, mm-hmm. you know, trying to, again, I think it's just expanding into new areas where the audience can be a bit different. And yeah. as we always say, how do you draw more fans to the greatest game to be played right now. And I think that's what they're trying to do. Well, I think the big thing here too is streaming, right? Uh, I think accessibility is a big buzzword I'd use in this day and age, as you guys know, or even with this fantastic platform, you know, I think podcasting's huge, but streaming, like people want their stuff, not, not tomorrow. They want it right now. And I think uh, connecting is going to be a big way around it and the accessibility portion. So I think we're trending in that direction. Uh, I guess there goes the the opportunity for the return of the glow puck, but we'll we'll see some hockey on ESPN <laughs> as well. It's going to be a lot of fun, you know. Like I, again, that I think be. for all the heat that Gary Bettman uh, takes and, and gets, and he, I think he does a phenomenal job as GM uh, from the dollars and cents standpoint. Uh, I mean, the guy is unbelievable, uh, you know. Especially getting this type of deal in a pandemic where there really hasn't been a full building in like fourteen months, I think it's pretty impressive. So good on them for sure. Yep. No doubt about that. Nick, great job as always. We enjoy the analysis. Continue your good work with uh, the Maple Leafs Radio Network, and we will talk to you, I'm sure, as the playoffs get a little closer. I cannot wait for playoff, Dave Michigan. Uh, Thanks, guys. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. Follow him at the Golden Muzzy. Nick Alberga joining us here. Big fan of yours, Dave. There's no doubt about it. He likes likes the Dave call. When he was at Sirius XM NHL Radio and I'd be in my car and he'd be replaying some of the games from the lightning that would be broadcasted he he loved it he loved it and uh we like having him on and you know i I was kind of joking a little bit when we talk about i wanted to get into this with you we don't have to spend a ton of time on it but i think anytime the league finds a another area dave of of revenue and and exposure i think it's worth talking about and you know they signed that deal with turner sports seven-year deal kick in next year and was the ESPN deal also seven? Are they running concurrently? Well, I know they're running concurrently. Yes. Do they end yes, at the same is. time? Yes, because okay. ESPN has four of the next Stanley Cups. Turner will have three of them. All right. And, then they and split, they'll get the Winter Classic. the playoffs half and half. Yes. So they're going to get you know the Winter Classics there. And as I told you before, there's a, an HBO component to this. Nick mentioned the streaming uh, angle with uh, ESPN. That's a, a bigger deal, too. But, you know, it, I, I forgot about this, and you may have a better memory than I do when it comes to this, but I was talking about this with uh, Eric Erlinson on his podcast, and he had mentioned in 2015 that John Cooper and Charles Barkley struck oh, yeah. up a good conversation, right? And Oh, yeah. They're that Barkley, that Barkley, anytime he had an opportunity to watch hockey, he would, he would kind of check in to see how the Lightning are doing. But I, I, I was reading where... He actually, come playoff time, enjoys hockey more than you would think. And 
Why he not? Went to, Why he not? went to game seven at Madison Square Garden. Because he sat okay, in the lightning, he there sat in the lightning booth with Andrew Chuck. I mean, it wasn't just the two of them, but Andrew <laughs> Chuck told me that Charles Barkley was in was in the suite, the lightning booth. It was a suite. They had yeah. a suite at MSG, and then after the game, Barkley went down to the room to to congratulate John Cooper. I guess they met in a hotel bar. That's exactly like they were both what it staying was. at a hotel. Yeah, and the they struck hotel. up a conversation. They talked yeah. for hours. Yeah. I think we need to get him on the I don't show. know that Charles Barkley is going to be drawing the NBA and the NHL no. for his coverage responsibilities, but who knows? Maybe. I'll say this. Yeah. TNT, I do not watch a lot of basketball. And since I got to the NHL, I hardly watch any basketball. So, that, I mean, that's 20 years now. I mean, I think I was I was more cognizant growing up. I grew up in, in the Boston area when the Celtics were in their heyday with Bird and McHale and Parrish, and they were winning championships. And I was I was very much one who followed, followed that team. But as I got older, not as much. But even kind of following it peripherally, mm-hmm. that show that they have on TNT is outstanding. Like, even I am aware of the quality of the production of that show with Shaquille O'Neal and, and Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith and, and Ernie Johnson. Um, that's that's high-quality stuff. And as far as their game broadcasts, I'm, I'm presuming that, that those are also high-quality. So if they can replicate that for the NHL, I don't know what that's going to mean for ratings or like, are they getting as much exposure as they could have on NBC and NBC's ancillary stations? I don't have the answer to that, but if they can replicate TNT can replicate what they do for the NBA, for the NHL, I know that the coverage will be excellent. They have the template uh, on how to put all that together. They do. And the other thing too is Charles Barkley is one of those guys that, he can say certain things, and it really doesn't affect his status, whether he'll be employed or not. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people have to be careful today. It's unfortunate. But Charles Barkley, you know, he'll come out and he'll say something. And some people say, well, that's Charles just being Charles. And some people are like, you know what? Actually, what he said makes makes a little sense. And I think a lot of people, you know, they were talking about the, the Mike Milbury experience and the Jeremy Roenick experience. And they were... Maybe the NHL, not that they were looking for the same thing that you would get with Charles Barkley, but that Roenick and Milbury were supposed to have these edgy takes and you know be able to draw on maybe a different audience and just make it more listenable or watchable in those instances. It never really worked out. Maybe it's just their personalities. And maybe, again, Barkley's unique, Dave, where he can say certain things, and I think people gravitate to him because he is a very big personality who I think is likable. Maybe that's the word to use. Yeah. I think no, Milbury he is. And he's Roenick, very likable. So I don't know. I, I think that would be interesting. Steve, I expect Barkley on the show in a couple of days, <laughs> and I understand his schedule, I'm sure, is busy. But That's you know, just terrible. Just... That's terrible. <laughs> that's pretty but good. Steve, that's pretty Steve good. going back to the dollars part of it that Nick talked about, I mean, they basically, just shy of doubling no, more the than, revenue, right? More than, more than. Turner's. They more than doubled it. Turner's, what was the, what Turner's was the money deal, from NBC? I want to say it was and, $200 and million it a year. Be? $200 million a year. I thought it was more than that. Okay. Uh, because NBC offered, from what I read, they offered half of that for half the package, which is essentially what Turner's getting. 
they offered 100 million and the NHL said no it's more than 200 and they backed out okay um the Turner deal I think is what 225. All right, so they already got more yeah, just from the Turner deal ESPN alone. ESPN was then close to four hundred. The ESPN, yeah, it was close to four hundred. So uh, they went from two to three hundred million a year to six hundred million a year. That's a pretty big. That is pretty big bump. That is I mean, a very big bump, and that's a, that's a no brainer um, in many ways. So now it included a lot more, including a lot more streaming. And things right. like that. So I mean, the landscape know, has changed yeah. around these deals, but right. the the dollars coming into the league is really what matters. Right. From from the standpoint of you know that's going to maybe help a little bit with the cap. I mean, we'll have to wait and see. I, I think, think everyone still teams, anticipates a lot of teams would be would be doing a happy dance if it meant that it loosened up. I, I don't this think flat cap projection. I don't think it's going to loosen up for next year because you still don't have fans in the stands yet. Right, but they're talking about you know two, but, three years that yes. it was going to be flat. Yeah, could it could it help a year or two from now? Absolutely, it could. So this agreement, just to give people a little bit of a background, seven year multimedia rights beginning 2021, 2022. Exclusive coverage of the Stanley Cup final. This is three the TNT of the seven years. deal. Yes, this is yes. the Turner deal. This is okay. the Turner Sports deal. Half of the Stanley Cup playoffs each year. It brings the Stanley Cup final and Stanley Cup playoffs to TNT and TBS for the first time. Up to 72 regular season games and NHL Winter Classic each season. Live streaming and simulcast rights for HBO Max. And expansive digital and highlight rights for Bleacher Report. Now what will be interesting is the Stanley Cup final, the year it's on Turner, I don't think will be on over-the-air television. When it's on, do you ES- really think that matters at this point? It, it does. It, it will. It does. It, it's not as important as you think, but it does impact ratings. I mean, you know, well, when if, March, so if you when don't March have Madness, cable, when March Madness is on CBS, it gets a lot higher ratings than when it's on. All right, TBS. The Fair year, enough. They alternate it every other year. It, it does. But if you don't, if yeah. you don't have cable, mm-hmm. can you get a game on TNT? Is there a way to no? So if you don't have cable, cable you can't or watch a like a or a streaming service, you have to, that's you, what I meant. Yeah, you'd have to have YouTube TV or. Hulu right. or AT and T TV because that's where the people who have cut the cord on cable are going to go. Right, but if you're if you're actually, I mean, there are there are people that watch just over the air television. They have an HD antenna on their, you know, on their television, and they get, and what when it's you get when your it's local on the channels. ESPN when it's the ESPN years, it is on over the air. They are going to put it, it on, on ABC. ABC. They are going to put the okay. finals on ABC. Yes. So there you go. It's a good deal all the way around. And Steve, what do you know about? the regional networks maintaining coverage of the first round. Is that clear that they're not going to have it? Because they talked about ESPN getting half of the first two rounds and Turner getting the – they didn't say the other half, but they said half of the first two rounds. That's a good question. Do you question. think those are going to be exclusive? I, I, I'm i guessing it's going to stay status quo. Because um, if you take that element away, I'm sure that the regionals are going to want to pay less money. So I, I'm guessing it's not. I, I'm, I'm guessing it's the same, but I don't know. That's me just yeah. speculating. As it stands right now, it's only the first round anyway. Right. Yeah. I'm speculating. They're really not it's getting a same. lot. I mean, the regionals really don't get a lot. They it, so they mm-hmm. do get the first round, which right. is not nothing. But they might lose games in the first round because, like NBC right now is in that driver's seat. They can claim, well, we want this game exclusively. Right. I yes. mean, we saw that happen with the Lightning in Columbus. Yes, if it goes on the, the big games network, last year. Yeah, if it goes on NBC, it's that way. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's been you know reported on what the deals with Turner and, and ESPN if they get exclusive first round games or not. I, I, I'm not positive. 
Hmm. There you go. But no more Steve golf. Has, no more golf channel for the playoffs. Steve has <laughs> Steve has all of the inside info well, think about, as it is available. Think as about soon how, as it is available, he is on top of it. Well, think about how far the NHL has come when it when with regards to TV and and where you could watch games. I mean, they were on what versus. <laughs> Well, it was right, the Outdoor start. Life Network before they changed Network. their branding. Think about that. Well, they, well, they went from ESPN to OLN. Yes. Remember March Madness? Uh, it's the only four days a year you watch uh, True TV for the first two rounds of March <laughs> Madness. And, and you forget where that channel is in your cable box. You do. You do. <laughs> but it's it's been a, a pretty interesting ride and ascension, I think, for Gary Bettman and to get, I think, the right TV and the streaming rights. Yeah. I also... Right I also saw that as it relates to the regular season, Turner is pulling more games, at least based on the two press releases, it, Turner is pulling more games than ESPN is. I don't know how that relates to the streaming so it or looked, anything like yeah, that. Well, it looked like Turner gets up to 72 exclusive games in the regular season, which means... In addition you know, to other games that might not be exclusive. Right. ESPN, okay. I think, can, will do more, probably more than, than that, but they may not be exclusive. I see. Where they, you know, they do the Lightning and, you know, Blue Jackets game, but the regional's also doing it, but they're doing a national broadcast of it. Um, And we see that now. Some of the NBC games are exclusive, and some of them, NBC, it would be NBCSN, but they're doing the game, but Mm -hmm. but it's also on Bally. Correct. Speaking of uh, that, we're going to put Dave Randorf on tomorrow, correct? That is correct. Dave Randorf will be breaking it down, hopefully a win. Tonight and boys, right? If they win tonight, the Lightning, we Lightning clinch. Is that right? Dan? A win tonight yeah. or a Nashville loss in regulation? In, in regulation, any, well, right. or any combination of of two. Po- it just has to yeah. equal two points. Yeah, gotcha. the Lightning could. Both teams could lose in regulation. Sorry, lose in overtime, and the Lightning, the Lightning would also get. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So that could be uh... Nashville an impressive win though. See, here's where I here's where I differ a little bit from from where Nick was going because he said Dallas plays with structure and that that would scare a potential opponent because you they can they can lock it down sure I think Nashville has done the same thing like that's how Nashville has turned things around yeah I think both have I think it's fair to say both have you can make the case Dave that Nashville does it better but then again they don't have Jamie Alexiak (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) which can be the difference there I actually think you know the, the, the scary thing about Nashville is and I think Forsberg is still not back yet, and that's right. a big blow. They've got a couple of guys who still have yet to really have dynamite years. Like I don't, I don't know if Ryan Johansson will, but there's always that chance he finds another gear. And I, I think you could say the same thing for Dallas with Tyler Sagan when he gets back and maybe makes a big impact. And you know, we talk about the impact Kucherov's going to have. I mean, Sagan if he comes back is. You would hope, for Dallas's sake, elevates his play, but they—I feel like they're similar in some ways. And maybe again, it comes down to goaltending. Saros has been fantastic. Dave. He has been. Saros has Good been for excellent him. this year. The question about Jake Ottinger, because I think if the Stars get in, it's probably his net. And so, just because you have a young goalie in net doesn't mean that you're destined to lose. We've seen young goalies do quite well, you know, early in their their playoff trajectory. Think about Cam Ward with Carolina oh, yeah. when they won the Cup in 06. Ken Dryden, you want to go back to 1971? I mean, Patrick Waugh, there have been goalies who have come in. Matt I'm not saying Jake Ottinger is going to be the next <laughs> Ken Dryden or Patrick Waugh. Yeah, right, right. 
Cam Ward had a really productive NHL career. He never reached the heights that he reached that first year in 05-06. But it can be done. I mean, there's a reason why the Stars are where they are, and one of the reasons is Ottinger. Another reason, Greg, is that they finally started to win some of these overtime games. Correct. So they beat Detroit, that game where they outshot them, what, 52 to 15 or whatever. Mm-hmm. They won that game in overtime, and then they beat Carolina in overtime last night. I think Anton Kudobin's getting the start tonight. Back to back. For Dallas, though. yeah. So the question is, if they can get the fourth seed, are you going back with Hudobin and you say, all right, do what you did last year in the bubble? Or do you say Ottinger has played the bulk of the games this year, which he has, I think, right? Particularly as they've kind of sure. pulled themselves up here in recent weeks. And are you going to go with the young guy? Because Bishop's not available. He's out for the year. You know, that's, again, I think I mentioned this to you the other day. If I did believe in giving the coach of the year to the coach who didn't win the Stanley Cup, Rick Bonus would be right in there, especially if Dallas makes the playoffs. I mean, has there been another coach, Dave, that's had to endure as much yeah, adversity Yeah, this is going to be a hard year. Like, I have a vote in that, as we've talked about. Maybe I maybe I will just say, put my vote down for whoever wins, whoever wins the Stanley it. Cup. Whoever wins but it. But this is a hard year because I have to be honest. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of what's happening in the other three. I don't know which of those four top Canadian teams is the best defensive club. Maybe he's right. Maybe, maybe Daryl Sutter has gotten Calgary playing at the best defensive level. Had to come back from, you know, too big a deficit. They're not going to get in. Phil told me he watched the Leafs the other day. He said they're defending really well, which is a little surprising to me because that has not been a strong suit of theirs, and they are scoring goals like crazy. And I see them winning games still like (laughs) 5-4. But... I'm not I'm not seeing these teams on a regular basis like I normally would to get a sense, even if it's twice. And I told you, like, I'll talk yeah. with the Western broadcasters, like who who's impressed you in the West? And it's just been it's been like four little pods. Not little, but four I'm pods. Wondering. Four I'm divisions, wondering. there are four yeah. pods. And I don't have a sense of which coach should get on my list. Outside of the central division. Yeah, I'm wondering if they should have gone this year, Dave, more of just each division because of that factor. That you, I don't know. Yeah. That you just went in. It's just a look, you know, this year is just going to be different. Coach of the year is just going to go per division. You know, you can still have the NHL's leading scorer, and that is a slam dunk, whoever wins that. And, you know, if it's Connor McDavid, then yeah. it's pretty easy to sit there and say he's had the most points. But even MVP, do you just break it up this year? Because we've heard that from day one how people who cover this for a living are disconnected. I mean, uh, Dave Pagnota from the fourth period was at the Lightning game, I think the last two, but for sure the last one. And I think that's the first time he ventured out of Canada to see yeah. a game live. I mean, I, it's, it's... Can he get almost, back in? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> What's going know. on maybe, there? Maybe he's just going to stay in the States <laughs> Yeah, maybe. and just watch some hockey. I'll tell you I what, know. I don't have a vote for the Calder, the Rookie of the Year, and I know the kid in Minnesota has having a, a heck of a year. Yeah. And, he, and I guess based on stats, he would probably win it. But this is a guy that I mentioned to you when we were talking about Dallas and like they didn't have enough young players step in and be impact players when they had all the injuries. But the one guy who has delivered big time is this Jason Robertson. 
Yeah, yes. And if I were to say in the Central Division, with all due respect to Ross Colton and the other the other young guys the Lightning have had come up, I've really liked Stephen Lorenz in Carolina. I mean, he's a rookie, even though he's not a pro rookie. He's been in pro hockey for a while. This Robertson, he he would get my vote for the if they, if they did it by divisions he can and play. I had a vote for the Calder, I would vote for him. I mean, he made a play in the winning goal last night. He did. He shoved Trocheck to the ice. The the Hurricanes were looking to like do that puck possession in overtime, right? Trocheck's in the offensive zone. He's curling around. I think the Hurricanes were getting a change. They got their change done. Robertson just basically muscled Trocheck to the ice, took the puck away, countered on a two-on-one, got the pass across to Ben, and Ben scored. Like this guy is a big time player. And I don't know if he would have factored in as significantly if Dallas hadn't had any kind of the any kind of injury problems that that they had. But talk about taking taking advantage of the opportunity that has been presented to you. Yeah. I mean this guy is a stud. I mean he's going to be a top 6 guy for them moving forward. I've been really impressed with him and he's played well against the Lightning. Yes. And like that's where he that's where he caught my eye, which sure. is kind of what I'm saying right. like yeah. when you watch a team play and you see that team repeatedly, you really get a feel for the players on the other side, which is harder to do if you're just watching, you know, the odd game here or there. Yep. You make a good point. Last chance to see Patrick Kane this year. Always uh, enjoy yep. to watch his playmaking abilities, and we'll see uh, what Chicago has in store for the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight again. Resurgent Vinny Henestrosa. I was is. reading an article. He was well. basically banished in Florida, and, and yeah. Quenville was the coach he had when he first broke into the NHL. I think he felt this was going to be a good fit for him, and he only got into like nine games. Since the trade, he's played nine games, and he's got, what has he got? Eight points. Yeah, I think you're right. It's been very good. His play is elevated for sure, Yeah, and uh, we'll see how that transpires tonight. Dave, great job as always. Talk to you soon. Talk to you tomorrow. Well, tonight and then tonight. tomorrow on the show. Yeah, that's right. With Dave Randorf as well. Thanks to Steve Versnick. Thanks to Nick Alberger. Thanks to you for listening. We always appreciate it. I am Greg Lanelli. Join us on Lightning Power Play tonight starting at 7 with Kaylee Chelios and Brian Burns. I've got the pregame at 7.30. Dave and is it Phil tonight, I think, right? Yeah. Phil in the Phil's on a tonight. consecutive broadcast Woo! streak. He's Man. got, like, what, Steve, 10 in a row? Man. Something like that. Make sure he gets a uh, nap yeah, after I think he did, what, game. the last two road games, and he did the six in a row. And he's got tonight and then Thursday, and then Chief will be on Saturday, Sunday in Detroit. Chief gets the afternoon games. I think Phil has pulled just about every central road game. Central time zone. Yeah, almost all of them. Yeah, he loves (laughs) that. He's thrilled about that, by the way. He's going to join me, I think, for the last call. At least it's 8. It's not 8.30 tonight. Yeah, at least it's 8.08, not you know 8.20, 8.00. Drop the puck. (laughs) (laughs) Which is tremendous. All right, guys, we'll uh, we'll do it uh, again tomorrow, and then tonight we've got the game. Make sure you stay tuned for that. All right, everybody, you've been listening to Power Lunch on Lighting Power Play.